This Connect podcast series is brought to you by Talent Talks and Life Online. Welcome. I'm Karen Cole, Editor-in-Chief of Talent Talks and Life Online. Welcome to our listeners. We have Judy of Kehinkle from Luminous back with us today to continue our discussion on how leaders can get through the tough stuff. In episode one, we discussed and provided, and Judy, of course, provided some great insight into how leaders can establish a culture of psychological safety. Today, of course, she is joining us to discuss courage and vulnerability. I think two things that are perhaps very misunderstood in the business world. For listeners that may be joining us for the first time, Julia, of course, is the MD and founder of Luminos, a professional coach by trade and one of the few Brené Brown accredited facilitators in Africa. Welcome, Julia. Thank you so much. Great to be back with you. Fantastic. So let's begin. First, enlighten us on the relationship between courage and vulnerability. So this is a big one, as you said, is that what people don't get is that these two are intimately tied. They are two sides of the same coin. So if I had to say to all of you that are listening, who here wants to be brave? Everyone would put their hands up and say, yeah, I want more of that. We were told this growing up, go out there, be brave. But who here wants to feel vulnerable? Oh, no one, right? Because vulnerability is associated with weakness. So what we have to understand is that vulnerability is actually intimately tied with courage. Because how it's defined, it's an emotion. It's one we all experience when faced with situations that are uncertain, where we feel at risk and maybe emotionally exposed out there. It's when we cannot confidently predict or control what will occur. And if you think about what courage is, it's this ability to step into the unknown, to maybe take a risk, to put oneself out there, to maybe launch a new product or start a new role. All of that involves a massive amount of vulnerability. You cannot get to the courage without also being able to rumble with, as we say, the vulnerability. We have to understand that if you want courage, you're going to have to learn to work with this emotion that will always shut in those moments because courage involves a level of boldness and stepping into uncertainty, which is what vulnerability is all about. So you can't choose courage and have comfort at the same time. Courage by its very nature is uncomfortable and often feels a bit awkward, which is the vulnerability. So in order to be able to step into these things, we need to be able to understand how vulnerability is showing up in the moment. So then as you're talking, I can feel, I think some leaders are incredibly uncomfortable with being vulnerable, but as you say, definitely do want the courage components. But I think it's important for us to to contextualize and bust some of the myths that exist around vulnerability. And you you did mention one, we automatically associate it with weakness. And I think when when leaders see this term, I need to be vulnerable, it is quite misunderstood in terms of the boundaries of that vulnerability in context of a team or in context of a workplace. So how does a, de- a leader actually demonstrate vulnerability? What is, I suppose, I would tell is helping vulnerability within within that environment? Yeah. So maybe let me go to some of those myths, first of all, that need to be bust, right? So the first thing is, is that there's this perception that it's weakness. You ask anybody, it's weakness. 
do not go there. You hide at all costs. You you just you don't demonstrate that, right? It would be way too risky. And yet, when you say to people, "Tell me about a time where you've been vulnerable, when you felt vulnerable," they'll tell you things like, "When I had to retrench a team, when I took on a new role, when I had to put a new product out there, not knowing if it would succeed." having to deal with closing down an area of my business, waiting for the doctor's results. Now, are all those things really uncomfortable and unpleasant and maybe fear and anxiety making? Yes. But if you really think about what it takes to face those things, it's courage. It's not weakness. It just feels like that for us because everything in our body is saying, don't don't go there. So if you say to people, what does vulnerability feel like in your body? They'll tell you they get hot and sweaty. They feel butterflies in their stomach. They feel like they have a loss of energy. So we have a threat response to experiencing uncertainty because, of course, we don't know what, how, how we're going to handle that. So we have to bust that myth first and foremost. It's not weakness. It's courage. It's just really uncomfortable. The second thing that I think people really, really misunderstand is that vulnerability, no boundaries, I'm just going to fully disclose all my insecurities, all my concerns, exactly what I think, and I kind of, excuse the visual impression here, vomit it up on everybody else. No. As a leader, vulnerability without boundaries is not vulnerability. It can often be seen as manipulation, a kind of way of trying to get people to feel sorry for you. It can be a way of kind of slipping out of your core responsibility. So what's essential is to understand what's my role, what's appropriate, who's the audience. And the key question I say to people to help establish, why am I sharing this particular story or side of myself, or piece of information with this team? Am I doing it because it's going to take the work forward? It's going to increase connection with these people? Or am I just hustling for approval? Am I somehow seeking their forgiveness or even admiration? So I see this often as people go, oh, okay, all right, I get that vulnerability is kind of hard baked into the DNA of courage. I need to be brave and courageous out there. So I'm going to just tell everybody everything. And it leaves people feeling quite sort of icky, to be honest, because it doesn't feel authentic. And so sometimes leaders will be able to say, listen, this is what's going on for me. This is what I'm finding really difficult about, say, this restructuring process. And it's having an impact on me, but I'm more interested on how's it showing up for you? What can I do for you as a leader to support you through this? So often it's about this willingness to work with that uncertainty, that feeling of awkwardness in the moment, but still be present to the other. Another example might be, I feel like I need to have all the answers as the leader or as the a team lead on the specific role or project. And as a result, I need to make sure that I look like I've got all my what together, I need to have all my answers, et cetera. And of course, you do need to have skill and expertise and know-how and an understanding of what's going on. But if someone says to me, but how do I do this? Well, if you start to feel like you don't have all the answers, it's to say, well, let's explore that. I don't know. What do you think? Absolutely. How could we statements or let's solve this together? Then I need to be put on this pedestal and have all of these answers immediately. 
Yeah, or and the other biggie is if I make a mistake, something goes wrong, or I, I don't show up skillfully. We all have bad days, right? To just say, what I own my part. I take my contribution seriously, and I'm willing to say, I'm sorry, apologize, I'll make amends, what do you need from me to make this right again? Yeah, owning up to mistakes, being willing to, to deal with uncertainty in a way that's kind of open and curious and to know where your lines are. To know where your lines are. And I think this also goes back a lot to to what we spoke about in episode one and, you know, being able to, especially for a leader, admit that they're wrong or to have that space in which they can say, well, I don't know, or let's do this together, or I'm really sorry, but I had a bad day, etc. It depends on quite a psychologically safe environment. It does. Psychological safety is this feeling that I can own up to what's going on for me and not feel that I'm going to be humiliated, shut down, or shamed. There's a there's a there's a kind of level of appreciation and respect that can be shown to that. But I can still have the hard conversation. So one of the most vulnerable things we have to do is give people hard feedback, have tough conversations, make tough calls. And if you aren't willing to be vulnerable and show up in those situations and actually go there without sugarcoating that feedback or avoiding it, you you can't demonstrate the level of clarity that someone needs to be able to understand where they need to do better or what the expectations are. So one of the most vulnerable things you'll ever do in the workplace is have to have those conversations. But if you can build the courage skills to be able to go there in a way that's, we say, clear and kind, the person's dignity is left intact, but they're under no illusion as to where they need to pull up their socks. How important is this skill, this ability to have the courage to to have these conversations, to be vulnerable in that moment, to to building an inclusive team? I think a lot of leaders are struggling with with that, particularly at the moment, creating this sense of belonging, creating a sense of inclusiveness, and and dealing with teams that are, are highly diverse. How do those two things interrelate? How does courage and vulnerability assist them in being more inclusive? Well, one of the most vulnerable experiences we will have is when we feel excluded. So we all know that really kind of painful feeling that comes over us if we feel like I don't really belong here. I don't really feel that my contribution is required. So part of the inclusion safety that needs to take place and that contributor safety we spoke about in our earlier episode is about really, really making it explicit to ask people for their views, either anonymously through surveys, et cetera, or explicitly to encourage people to tap into what is their lived experience in the moment. And this could be something as simple as a a two-word check-in. How are we all arriving at today's session? Two words, I'm feeling exhausted and overwhelmed. I'm feeling anticipatory and excited. Whatever the words are, and later I might be able to check in with you and say, hey, Karen, I noticed you said you've been feeling exhausted and overwhelmed. Is there anything you kind of need from me? So something about really keeping engaged with those people around you, asking those questions and, and, and tuning into what is people's lived experience of things. I think it's really important to be able to develop this ability to what we call from this work to rumble. So what are some of the difficulties we're facing at the moment? What are some of the annoyances, some of the things that are frustrating us as hell? And not just go into solution mode to really understand what's the impact this is having, where is this coming from, 
what's each of our own contributions to this? What do we want to do? Where do we need to put some new agreements in place? How do we work through this? What are the stories we're telling ourselves about what's going on here? And that very process of kind of really wrangling through some of those tough, tough topics actually builds what we call grounded confidence. This feeling of we can go into some of those tough conversations and actually come out of them on the other side with more clarity, maybe more connection, maybe better action steps. And this leaves us feeling good, like, wow, we can we can take a bit of strain under pressure, go to some difficult places together and actually come out in a better place. This starts to build confidence. Absolutely. But it also, I mean, what you're speaking about depends very heavily on the leader or at least everybody in the team being able to own, I'm owning my stuff, being able to, to introspect. And particularly some leaders may still want to shy away from that because in, in their mind, being vulnerable and being on that level is almost as we're all, we're all friends here kind of thing, which impacts in the leader follower relationship. So how do you, how do leaders manage that dynamic? How do they get into get into the mix, own their stuff, be courageous, be vulnerable, but still be able to to maintain that right balance of leader follower relationship. Yeah, I think it's I think it's essential that we we do take care. We have a an interest in our colleagues and we have those kind of relationships in place. But I think where it gets slippery is that some some leaders will say gosh, I know what's happening in Karen's life at the moment, so I'm kind of going to go easy on her a little bit, even though I know some of her deliverables are falling behind. That, that's a mistake. I can have that conversation and say, Karen, I know you're going through a really tough time at the moment. What do you need from me? What would support from me or the team look like? What, what are some of the things that we might need to adjust in your world that would be demonstrating care? And for some people, that could be really vulnerable in itself. But it could also be saying, you know what, even though these things are taking place in your life, there are these deliverables. I've noticed they've been behind. What needs to happen to get you back on track? Yeah. So there's this idea of I can still call people up when they've fallen out of the expectation or they've dropped a ball or maybe broken a commitment. Because again, that's part of trust building. So one of the key things around building trust is we name the boundaries. And I hold somebody accountable to that, especially when there is inconsistencies taking place. But again, I don't go and make up a whole bunch of stories around, if Karen's dropped a ball, it must be because she's going through a divorce or whatever at the moment. I'm not saying you are, Karen, just for the listeners out there, is it's kind of like, I don't go make up stories, talk about other people to you, start cutting you out of key meetings and decisions. I go to you and I say, Karen. I know you're going through a bit of a tough time, but let me not assume that is what's going on. But I have noticed this. What needs to happen here? Yeah. Again, very much owning my stuff, allowing you to own yours, which is very empowering. And sometimes a lot of that dynamic, when we practice, I suppose, too much empathy, and I think we touch on this in the in the next episode, you can almost victimize somebody as opposed to empowering them to, to rise up. Yeah. And when, when, when do boundaries become barriers mm-hmm. and when do sometimes too much lead way lead to excuses? Absolutely. So there needs to be conversations around what's okay, what's not okay. Yeah. So 
let's let's get some agreements around around that and how do we deal with it when things fall apart but i think what's essential is that in the absence of information we make up stories <laughs> we fill in the missing gaps of data that we have with our most predominant narrative so i might start to make up a story about what Kieran's going through this tough time. As a result, she's clearly got her eye off the ball and she's no longer committed to this job. So I'm not going to involve her in the next key project. Not at all. That may not be good, but I need to check in with you around what, what is happening. And again, that is where courage comes in and the vulnerability, because I might need to have a conversation where we have to start speaking some pretty straight talk and get to some hard truths, as well as me saying, well, what's my contribution to what's going on? Absolutely. Tell me something, in some of those conversations, so this is obviously quite dependent on on me as a leader being able to have that conversation, but what about the person receiving that message? How do we know when we've triggered something or they may not be ready for that level of conversation and how do we deal with it? Yeah, I mean, we can't, we can't control others. So we have a responsibility to how we show up in that moment. What we know is that if you are calm, if you are clear, if you are breathing, if you are taking that conversation both seriously as well as slowly, it's likely to have less of a triggering reactive effect on the other. So in other words, I have to work with kind of managing my own nervous system and that is likely to transfer on others. If I arrive and I'm very agitated, I'm very anxious, I'm talking really fast and I'm going, oh my God, we need to talk about this and this is an issue. You like it to be coming up against a whole lot of what we call armoring, self-defensive mechanism on the other side, because it's like, it feels like there's an incoming threat. So it's model the behavior you want to see in others and in that moment. So I want us to be able to have a tough conversation, but I want it to be calm. I want us to be logical. I want us to be able to solution around possibilities to move forward. I want there to be respect and care. So what is it that I can physically do to prepare myself, my body, my breath, et cetera, in order to bring that into the room, so to speak? Absolutely. I think it's, I think that's critical, but again, very dependent on, on you developing those skills and being able to know when you've got them and when you don't, and to take those active steps towards building them. Speaking about that, so how do leaders actually go about So for those leaders that are, are not quite yet ready to be vulnerable, what are those first steps that they take in terms of building the courage to create a culture of vulnerability? Great question. So the, the, first, the first thing is to set an intention by asking a question, where do I want or need to be braver? Where are those places where I know I might need to go to an edge within myself or within this team? And we call it a call to courage. Where am I being called to be more courageous? And what is some of the stories I'm telling myself around what that's going to involve, right? So there's something around just naming some of the concerns and fears I have around that kind of vulnerability, right? Then I think it's about looking at what are some of the skills that I'm going to need in order to be able to have those conversations. So we talk about how do I start to manage my physical state? 
through breath, through mindfulness, through, like I said, keeping calm and fully present. So just being able to just notice how is our physical body showing up in those moments. And then what are some of the conversational skills and tools I need? So obvious things are, how do I start to really listen? So this involves not speaking as much and not paying so much attention to my own listening, but really listening to others. It involves developing a capacity to be curious. Now that involves asking a lot of open-ended questions. And there are some sentences and statements which we can put on on the website if people want to check it out later. Things like, Karen, I hear you say that this project's not working. Tell me more. What isn't working? What do you need from me? Or I'm hearing you coming from this perspective. Tell me more about that. Or this is what I'm understanding you saying. This is my perspective. We're in two different camps right now. So really, really building curiosity, asking open-ended questions and gathering information. And of course, being very, very clear around what are those people, situations or conversations I'm avoiding. And how do I start to go there? How do I start to name that issue? How do I start to explore what are some of the emotions? What are some of the behaviors that are showing up that I really want to start speaking to? And going there, actually practicing it, because that's the only way you build any kind of confidence or skill is through the practice. And another key thing which is really essential is to get clear on your values. Now, everybody can do an eye roll wherever they're sitting, right? I've got to work on our values. But if you don't know what your core values are, that help guide you through those slippery, difficult times. You're going to find yourself lost and in the dark, right? So if you can understand what are the core values that are going to assist me in going to some of these brave places. So maybe it's authenticity, like really showing up with skills. So then I am going to say to people, this isn't working. And I know we've sunk a whole lot of costs into this project, but we need to call it. That means bringing my authenticity value to the core. Or maybe it's generosity. And in this hard conversation where I might have to be telling somebody that their role is fundamentally changing, they haven't stepped up to the mark, how do I still offer them the same generosity of spirit around they're doing the best they can and yet this is what we need? So it's something about also bringing in values. And the last thing I'd say is what are those practices and rituals that you have both for yourself as well as in the team that help you get back up again. Because if you're going to be brave and you're going to build these cultures where it feels okay for people to have these robust conversations, to tackle each other, to challenge, etc., to contribute, to show up as, 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 as they are, you're going to fall on occasion. You're going to have setbacks, failures, etc. And how do you get yourselves back up again? These are essential practices that need to be built into those culture. In the same way, how do we celebrate successes, but also how do we also deal with mistakes and setbacks? Absolutely. I think that's key. Fantastic. Thank you, Julia. Another great conversation. And just for our listeners, you have been listening to Julia Kohenkel, the MD and founder of Luminous. Now, for 14 years, Luminous has been providing processes strategies, skills, and safe spaces to daring individuals, teams, and companies who are, of course, committed to developing courage, conversation, and resilience 
to get through the tough stuff of work and life. And Julia, just from from hearing you speak with us, I think you can definitely see the amount of skills you bring or that you've accumulated within those 14 years. And for leaders beginning their journey of vulnerability, might be might be a good idea to be vulnerable enough to admit they need a coach through this and a guide to help them navigate it correctly. Sorry to interrupt you. I always say it's like, and all about you just building your courage skills and just know that vulnerability is part of it because nobody really wants to build vulnerability, but it's about how to manage it. How do I manage it? So I always say we actually selling courage here, not so much vulnerability, but just being able to. And wishing them the courage to take that next step. But thank you so much. That was a, a great conversation. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much.